Well, good morning and welcome to Mission Vale Christian Church. I am so glad that you're with us today. I'm excited about the series that we're in. We're calling this Undercover Boss. We're going to look into the truths of God's Word over the next six weeks together and really see how sometimes there's some things that can be undercover in us without us knowing and how we can conquer over those things. So let's get right into it now, into the Word. are with us and uh, you believe in the Lord, you've given your life to the Lord, I am so glad that you're here. I tell you what, I need worship every Sunday. I need to get filled up. I need to give him everything. And I need to hear from him. I need his instruction. So I'm really glad you're here. If you're here today and think, you know, I'm not really sure about all this God stuff. I don't really know about the Bible. I'm just here because I feel like I need something in my life. My prayer and hope is that we just help you get one step closer to knowing that God can be everything in your life. And um, if you're here today and you just came because your wife said you got to come to church or else um, and you're here, I just believe God's going to touch you, man. If you're here and you're not married and you're in school and think, God, I got my whole life in front of me. I'm not sure. In fact, I'm freaking out. I'm scared. I don't know what's next. I just believe that God has something for you today. Amen. Amen. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've given your life to Christ that is when your battles start. That's when the trouble starts. I'm glad we have a worship leader that's led of the spirit that just felt like, hey, we just need to sing this song. Because, man, I, we just sometimes get beat up out there. I mean, the world is becoming more adversarial against God, against the church. It doesn't mean that we fight the government. We fight the enemy on our knees. And unless I'm willing to say, yes, God, everything I am, everything that you've given me, God, is yours. Use it, God, something for your good. I just believe the church will remain a quiet little speck on the map. Never, ever, anybody even knowing that we're here. But if we really want to do some damage to the kingdom of darkness, well, we got to live like Jesus. He wants us to walk like him. So we're, that's why we're doing this undercover boss thing. I, I, I think I mentioned before that um, in my marriage, I've been married to, um, thank God she has hang, hung with me for 31 years. But I'm more on the emotional side of, of the marriage. She's more on the logical side. So when I watch Undercover Boss, man, I'm like crying when I see some of those episodes, you know, of just great things happening in people's lives. But one of the things I've noticed is that certain things can go undercover. Would you agree? in our life. And, and as we saw the, the, the video here, I'm sure you noticed a lot of those things, anger, anxiety. Today, we're going to be talking about envy. Aren't you glad you came? Hey, um, if you have your Bibles open to Philippians 4, we're going to get there in just a second. I just want to give you kind of, I set the stage here a little bit. Just want to give you something to kind of chew on because I, I really believe that God's going to give us the meat of the word today and I want it to be first class. Amen? Um, we were in our men's life group. And um, if you're not, by the way, we have life groups here. They're small groups. They're community groups. I, tell you, I need a life group. I need to connect with other guys. I need to connect so that I can keep 
you know, not only follow Jesus, but I'm remembering out there when I'm with the people that don't know Christ, there are people that are lost. And what they don't need is be beaten down about all the wrong things they're doing. What they need is the love of God and seeing what a real Christian is. And so um, I, I, as we were sitting in our life group, um, we were going through the, the book of uh, 1 Corinthians. We were in chapter 4. And one of the guys just, I believe it was a God's spirit-led moment. He opened up his mouth and he started sharing his testimony about his entire life in the business world. He had uh, lived here since 1968, had followed kind of the track of making more money and more money and more money, and became very, very successful in that. In fact, um, his life became about um, getting the next client, getting the next deal, making the next buck. This guy had made millions, was doing $50 million corporate deals. I mean, this was his life. And all of a sudden, in 1998, he lost everything. And here's, here's what his testimony was. I had everything that the world has to offer. I had money, houses. My, my wife was cool. Everything was great. I had nice cars. I bought a new Jaguar. I mean, I had anything I wanted at my fingertips. And here's what he said. I am so glad on this side now of heaven when I gave my life to Jesus, that he took it all away. I am like blown away. This is one of those moments where you just kind of had to be there. I mean, the spirit of God is captivating all like 16 of us guys sitting in a circle. Now, here's what I noticed. He says, I don't need that stuff anymore. That's not what brings fulfillment. More, more, more doesn't do it. Nothing wrong with having lots of stuff. But what do we do with that stuff? We're accountable to God for what we have. But here's, here's, here's where the Spirit of God caught my heart. I could see almost every one of the guys in the circle, they were on the edge of their seat. I mean, they were, they were kind of like halfway on the edge. Now they're on the quarter end of the edge of the seat. And here's what I believe was going on. Every single one of us, I believe, wants to find a secret place called contentment. And, and if, if somebody just would tell me, somebody would help me get off this merry-go-round. Somebody would help me get off of this wheel that just keeps going round and round. And it's going faster and faster and faster. And I can't get off the thing. I just, I just saw something in our guys at MVCC that was hungry. Hungry for God, I need you in this area. Because I'm on that same wheel and I can't get off of it. Again, I want to say, it's not wrong to have nice stuff. It's not wrong to make lots of money. Some of you have a gift to make lots of money. What are we doing with all that stuff is the question. And if I'm not careful, I can become so envious of what others are doing, what others are making, what others are accomplishing, and I can lose my way, man, just trying to follow Jesus. Are you with me? Let's look at this. Everyone knows what this is, right? Have you ever found yourself on your app scrolling down all the pictures? Happy family. Everybody's smiling. We went to Cabo this week. We went to the mountains. We went down to the beach. Happy family. Everybody's perfect. What it doesn't show on Instagram is all the fights and arguments that took place. But everyone's standing there taking the picture. Everybody smile. Everybody smile. Pretend we're a happy family. Or what I'm finding is as I scroll down further, I'm seeing all kinds of ads. Have you seen the ads? 
and it picks up on things that you're buying. I've been looking for, you know, those e-bike things. Really cool. Anybody here have a mountain bike, e-bike? Those things are really, okay, I guess. Are we awake this morning? You guys, okay. I, I was looking for an e-bike, and so I punched in, Googled e-bikes, just looking for where they are, how much they cost, all that stuff. Man, all of a sudden, now I'm getting all these ads for e-bikes. And I'm looking at these things, and I want that one, and that one, and that one. Stop! It's, it's, it's becoming an imbalance. And so what I want to talk about today, what I want us to do is to really look at God's word and what he says about this stuff. Now, we're going to look at, first of all, envy and learning to be content today. Why does this matter? Why did we come? I hope you came here because you just love God and worship God. This is all part of worship. I want to hear the instruction of his word. I want to hear God's voice, and I certainly want to call, God, what would you want me to do this week as a result of what I heard? One of the reasons I just think that over the years, God has called uh, us as a pastoral team to hang here, to stay here, to stay committed, because I really believe I want to beat the OC out of us. If you've not heard that before, what I mean by that is there is an OC mindset that says you've got to have more, glitzier, faster, wealthier, sexier, all that stuff. You've got to have all this to make you feel better. And it's just a lie from the enemy. And so my job here is I think just one of the jobs is just to beat the OC out of Pastor Mike first. I'm a product of this place. I get it. I mean, I've lived here since I was 10 years old. And if I'm not careful to open my eyes to God and to those who have less than, I get so caught up in more and more bigger, better, newer, nicer, thinking that's what's going to bring fulfillment. And I'll forever be chasing the wind of contentment, never finding it. So, if Philippians 4 I just want to give a little bit of background before we read. We're going to read verses 10 to 19. I love these verses. It's so ironic that we're taking a look at a guy named the Apostle Paul, who is the author of this letter, many others, 13 others in the New Testament. And it's so ironic that as he's writing this letter, he is literally stuck in a prison cell, chained to a Roman guard. And he's talking about he has learned the secret of how to be content. It's, it's just so, it's so God-like. I mean, it's, it's just so like God to do that. Usually God comes from around the corner. God usually does something that we have no idea what he's going to do next. I tell you, that is when following Jesus becomes more exciting, is when we follow him not knowing, trusting, full on, we don't know what's going to happen next. It's a faith walk, man. I don't want, honestly, I don't want to know every step that's going to happen in the future. I'd rather ride the fence a little bit and just, God, wherever you're taking me, I decided to get in the boat with you. You're the captain. You decide. That was Paul. But Paul didn't always think that way. Do you remember his background? The apostle Paul, who really at the beginning was not an apostle, he was on his way literally to devour to throw Christians into prison, to persecute them, to watch them suffer. And he had a true encounter with God. God met him, literally ironic, as he was on the way to kill Christian people. God meets him. Jesus speaks to him from heaven and says, Paul, what are you doing? You are hurting me when you hurt my people. I, therefore, I am going to blind you for three days. 
You're not going to be able to see a thing because I want you to hear me. I don't want any distractions in your life. I have a calling for your life. Not only am I going to save you, but, but, but I'm going to call you to an assignment. You will never look back. You will never, ever compare what I'm going to call you to to this world. Man, those of you that know that, I hope you're on the edge of your spiritual seat. Yeah, you know what, Mike? I totally get it. I have had an encounter with Jesus, and nobody could ever, ever refute that. Not even the devil himself. If you're here, and maybe you've been in church all your life, man, I've just kind of gone to church, but I don't really know him. This might be your moment today where the Holy Spirit intersects your life. You're on your way, and Jesus is saying, I have something so much better. Will you surrender to me? That's where Paul, in complete surrender, he writes this letter. So let's look at this together, and then we're going to break it down. Now remember, just get the visual with me. The apostle Paul is chained to a Roman guard, knowing and sensing that he's probably on his way to execution. His days are numbered, and he's already sensed that. In some of his writings in the New Testament, we know this. In Philippi, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Just want to stop right here. The people in Philippi, 10 years previous, Paul started this church. They had missed Paul for that amount of time. Paul was on travels. He was back and forth in prison. And they longed for him. They missed him. Paul had this kind of fatherly son-daughter relationship with all these people. He loved them. He longed to see them. And because of circumstances, they couldn't get finances to him as he would had hoped just to take care of his needs. And that's why he was writing here, so glad for the gift that you sent me. But I don't really need it because I know that God will supply all my needs. You got that? Okay. I, uh, for I know that it is uh, what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good. Of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts that you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And at the reading of the word, everybody says... I just love Paul. He's not so focused on what I need, what I want. I need to have this. You didn't send this to me. He's lavishing all this praise and thanksgiving. You guys gave out of your abundance so that I could have what I could have so that I can continue to serve God and advance the gospel. That was his passion. That was his goal. That was his assignment. Now, I hope that we noticed here he makes two references of the fact that, look, I have learned 
Learned, it's past tense, not learning. Mike is still learning. He's learned the secret of what it means to be content in a world that isn't. Let's just get the truth out there right now. Envy is a sin, right? We're not here to make people feel good. We're not here, well, I don't really want to, I don't know. It's, it's kind of a bad behavior. It's just kind of thing, you know, kind of maybe if you struggle a little bit, it is a sin. Okay, how do we know that? Because the word says so right here in the Proverbs 14.30. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but the envy rots, but envy rots the bones. Let's look at the next one. But if you harbor bitter and envy selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Let us not, Galatians says, become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So he says right here, let us not become conceited. In other words, he's saying, don't do this. This is wrong behavior. This is so important for us to get today because we want the world to see God. Right, we, and, and they're not going to flock to the churches. In fact, I'm looking for the day that that will happen. But right now, that's, you know as well as I do, that's not the norm. We still have a lot of open seats here. We got people driving by. Marguerite and Geronimo. People at their life, doing their stuff on Sunday, going to the beach, mowing the lawn, doing chores, sports events, whatever. The, they're just missing God. And what God is wanting us to know, we've got to get out there to show them what God is all about so that we can bring them back in here that they might have an appetite that's wet to know God. And then we're just here simply to usher them in to know God just like we have the privilege of knowing God. So there's another truth besides envy being a sin is that dissatisfaction guaranteed. Guaranteed, man. If we start envying and wanting more and more and that drives us, we're going to be dissatisfied. I know that to be true in my own life. Ecclesiastes says it perfect in chapter 4. And I saw that all the toil and achievements spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. He says it twice. Again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling? Good question, he asked. And why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless, a miserable business. Wow. I mean, that's, we could probably just go home. That says it all right there, right? That's what it's all about. So what do we do? How do we unpack all this? What, this seems so overwhelming because we live in the land of more, glitzier, wealthier. Stop it. We've got to make a decision to stop it. I will get off this merry-go-round. I will get off this cycle. I will do in the name of Jesus and the power of his spirit. I'm making a decision to stop living that way, wanting more when it doesn't lead to anything other than dissatisfaction guaranteed, right? So I want to give you some helpful help today. Here's some action points out of what I think um, Philippians 4 is teaching us from the Apostle Paul's life and specifically what he's saying. Number one is, 
God gave us a race to run, so stay in our lane, right? Stay in our lane. The problem is, is when I'm running my lane, and I'm looking over at his lane, and I'm looking over at her lane, gosh, they have a better lane. They're doing better than I am. It seems like they're having more fun over there. Paul stayed in his lane. Have you noticed when you read the New Testament, Paul really doesn't get distracted. Oh, what are we going to do? Oh, they're persecuting me. Now I'm in the prison cell. He just says, dude, enemy, devil, is that all you got? Hit me with more because I'm just going to keep living for Jesus. Maybe some of us today have been hit with stuff of just craving, wanting, bigger, better. And we're not, again, it's not bad to have stuff, but that is not going to rule my life. I'm making a decision that will not rule my life. You got to know your lane. You got to know that God has called you. You are unique. There is nobody like you. You have a fingerprint that no one else has. You have the apple of, you are the apple of God's eye. He already has every breath you take, every thought that you have, every word that comes out of your mouth, everything that you are, your total being. Jesus Christ knows you and he loves you. And he's got a lane for you to follow him in. So I got some tough questions. You ready for some tough questions? Someone once told me, I'm leaving this church because it's not a beginner's church. That's right. We're not beginners. We want to get on the bike and keep moving, right? We don't want to just make people feel good. I want, I want truth, man. And give me something difficult to do. Challenge me. So here's some questions that I've asked myself this week. <laughs> My wife, I love her so much. She says, well, what's the topic on this week? I said, envy. She said, well, who's going to be preaching it then? I just love her, man. She just cuts right to the chase because she knows I struggle with some of this stuff. I, I really do. I, I used to struggle with a lot of the things, bigger house, cleaner car, nicer car, nice clothes, all those things, better tennis rackets. I, I wanted the best kind of shoes. I just more and more, and I just kept going down this empty hole. Then when I got saved, it moved from things to ministry. Oh, his church is bigger. Her ministry is doing better. How come they have more parking? We're struggling at MVCC and we're praying. Do you see how this can go? And if I'm not careful, I can become so envious of other pastors and ministries. I can lose my focus. I've got to make a decision. Stop it. Mike, stop. You stay in your lane. So you ready for the questions? For whom am I striving for whom am I really striving? Let me tell you what the OC answer is. Because I've heard it and I've said it. For my family. Really. Really. You're, Pastor Mike, you're working 80 hours a week. When I was younger, I really struggled. With, you're working 80 hours a week. And your kids, at the end of the day, someday, when you're on your deathbed and you leave this earth, do you think your kids are really going to say, man, I wish my dad worked more hours? It was a wake-up call for me. I do not want my kids to stand over my deathbed experience and say, I wish my dad spent more time with me. Stay, Mike, stay in your lane. Nothing against working hard. Man, I'm Italian, so I grew up in a home where my father taught me, you work hard at whatever you do, and you give it 138%. You do it with passion. You do it with everything. But there's a balance, right? There's a balance. Ready for the next one? What's really driving me? Here's one that's really going to hit you hard. 
because it hit me this week. Who am I trying to impress? Why would I try to impress somebody with trying to get what they want when they're not even looking at me? They don't even care what I have. In fact, they don't even care about me. Why am I stressing myself out? Um, I did some digging this week about more and more and more. And one of the things that came up when I Googled it was the lottery. Oh, got real quiet now, didn't it? 2018, watch this. In 2018, $70 billion were spent on lottery tickets. More than sports, video games, and concert tickets combined. I don't know if you've seen these documentaries, but it's kind of sad. Some of these people will win the lottery. This one guy won $315 million in the lottery. He suffered two years later from depression like he never had before. One child and one grandchild, sad, overdosed, and he said it was directly related to the fact that he won the lottery. Um, someone even robbed him of $500,000 out of his car. And here's what he said. I don't like who I've become. I wished I never played. So here's my solution to this. Are we going to get everybody to stop playing the lottery? Probably not. No. Next time you see somebody at a lottery machine punching it, I'm going to win the big one, baby. I just tap them on the shoulder. I do this. I've done it at CVS. I've done it at Ralph's. I'll tap at the liquor store. Sometimes, when, not to buy liquor, but Cokes. When I go to the gas station over here, I'll just literally, I'll tap them on the shoulder and I'll say, hey, if you hit that thing, here's my card. Mission Vale Christian Church, right? Help us. Help us out here, right? Because I guarantee if you give God the very best, the first fruits of that baby, he'll bless you with the 300 million and you'll want to give more and more and you'll be happy, Right? More for us doesn't work. There will always be bigger. There will always be faster. There will always be someone more pretty. There will always be someone taller than us. Some, someone is more intelligent. It, it's a never-ending cycle unless we decide to get off of it, right? Come on, man. I want somebody to get set free today. I don't want just for you to sit in these chairs, hear a sermon, and go, wow, you know, I, I think maybe someday I should make some change. I want the change now. I want a Holy Spirit moment now. God can meet us now. I'm making the decision now, which leads us to number two. Paul made it really clear. In fact, he said it twice throughout Philippians. Remember to rejoice. Right? Remember to. Why does he say remember to rejoice? Because we need reminders. We forget. We're human. We got so many distractions. It's easy to forget here what we need to be doing. Now, if there's ever a person that needed reminders, I think it was the Apostle Paul. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was thrown in prison. He uh, lost his uh, good reputation before he met Jesus from the world, which he found out was really empty. Thrown in the middle, literally, of a street that caused a riot and almost beat him to death. He lost friendships. He lost family members. We have selective memory, don't we? We really do. And that's why we need to be reminded, yes, yes, I need to rejoice in the Lord. Don't rejoice in circumstances. We don't want to rejoice in what we don't have or what we do have. I'm not going to rejoice in that because God can take it all away in a second. And God just quickly can give me everything he wants me to have. I will rejoice in him. I'm going to choose to rejoice in God and no matter what happens in this life. 
So some reminders that help me. I'll set my radio station. I know radio is kind of a thing of the past, but most of us have radios, and you can use it once in a while. I set it to 107.9 K-Wave. When I'm getting in and out of the car, i got to get that word in, baby. And maybe a pastor will be on there for 45 seconds, and I hear something. I think, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You are awesome. I needed that, God. I needed that scripture. Set a playlist of Christian music that will help you just to be reminded of how good God is. And next time you see what you think you need to have, it's not greed, it's need. You don't need to have it, Mike. You don't have to have it. Oh yeah, thank you, Lord, for reminding me. And having scripture plastered everywhere in your life, whatever works for you, on your computer, on your desk, on your mirror, wherever you might be, in your shoelaces, wherever it might work, for you to have scripture to remind us we need reminders. Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually, continually be on my mouth. It's not magic. I have to purpose to do that. And then I ask the Holy Spirit, help me to do this. I'm amazed at how God is so right. If you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. So if I'm delighting myself in the Lord with all this stuff that he says for me to do, then I get to have the desires of my heart. And what I found is my desires start to change. It's not all about getting more and what Mike wants. It's about, God, what do you want? And how can I fit into your lane, God? Which leads us to the next one. I hope, you're, I hope that we're just making decisions today at MVCC to refuse to resent. I'm just going to refuse to do it. Because my human nature is to start resenting what I don't have. And he got what he got. Gosh, Saddleback's got the biggest parking lot ever. They don't even need it. They don't have parking problems, right? We have like 220 parking stalls. And we had the corner over here. We, we had the, the papers all drawn up. We were going to buy that thing. Do you remember if you were here? We had asked your affirmation to do that. Out of like 600 people, only one no. 638 yeses. One no on whether we should buy the property. And someone swooped in right behind us. Offered another 200000 We didn't even get a chance to counteroffer. Can I just tell you on the inside, I was devastated. I've been praying for that thing for the last 15 years. And don't get me wrong, man. I love Royals Donuts. I love Big O to go. I made a promise to my kids. We'll find a way to keep them on campus. But we need the space. We need the room. People need to know that there's MVCC in the community here. You know, God is so wonderful because he, he listens to all my wisdom. And then he says something like this. Because God spoke to my heart. Maybe you don't need that corner right now in this season. Because I want to train my people to go out there and tell them about God. They don't need to see the building to know God. Oh, not to say that buildings aren't. Uh, fashionable or helpful to the gospel and to what we're trying to do here at MVCC, but it was just a little check in my spirit, man. And give me, give me a hungry group of a hundred people that love Jesus and and will use leverage whatever they have been given in life. To, to leverage it for the gospel so people can hear the good news and be saved. And we want to help people to be disciples, to grow in their relationship. Give me a hundred people like that, and that will be a hundred people that can truly bring influence to thousands. More than if we had a hundred million dollar building. Which leads us to the next action point. Count your blessings, not your neighbor's blessings. Isn't that good? I wish I could say this is my own stuff. It's not. 
I'm trying, I'm trying to learn this stuff just like all of us here. And I, I, I sincerely mean that. Stop counting how many e-bikes your next door neighbor has, Mike. And how come you don't have one or you got one? Stop doing that. Count what you have and thank me for what you have. Isn't it always wonderful, especially when our kids are little and they're so thankful that we took them to Target and bought them a little Lego set? And they're just so thankful for that. You, you just, you want to give more and more and more because they're so thankful. Michael and Jonathan, when they were little, we went over here to Target off Alicia. And I remember, and they were about five and seven. And Michael opens up his Spider-Man wallet and he's, he cracks that thing open. He had, you know, some dollars in there and he wants to buy this Lego thing. And Jonathan, he's little, you know, he's just, you know, he's looking around, can't figure out. He doesn't even have a wallet yet. And he's like, Michael, I went that way. And Michael said, that's okay, Jonathan, I'll buy it for you. I tell you what, I just slipped a $20 bill right in my son's little Spider-Man wallet because as a father, this is, and, and I didn't prompt that, he just did that. I, I, I just want to say that we have a heavenly father. Quit trying to hold on to all this stuff and want more of it to store it. Release it. Give it to God. There are people around us who need Jesus Christ and what you have may be a catalyst. So don't count your neighbor's blessings. Count the ones that you have and say, God, I'm so thankful. Now, when I was younger as a youth pastor, I remember the big thing was leading worship with a guitar, being able to preach, lead games with the kids, do mission trips, and do it all. I was just, you know, younger and dumber, and I didn't know. I thought, I, you know, I got to do it all, so I better take guitar lessons. They didn't have YouTube back then. So, you know, I was trying to learn guitar, trying to learn how to preach. I was running myself ragged. And God one day said, why are you doing that? I never called you to play guitar. I didn't give you that gift. And if you listen to me play, you'll know I don't have that gift. You see, if I'm counting someone else's blessings, I want that one. He's got that one. She's got that one. How come there? I want his wife. I want his, her husband. I want, you see, we start doing this. It'll drive us crazy. And what happens? I've now slipped over into the other lane. That's not my lane. Paul says, I have learned to be content. One more here. Thank God for two more. One, uh, next one is thank God for all seasons. Thank God. Boy, I'll tell you, I guess that just comes kind of with age. I can't really teach how to do that. And I had to learn this the hard way, walking through my parents passing, my wife's cancer, just some tragedies and dark valleys that are what you can't really teach that out of a textbook. You just have to go through it. And I'm just so grateful for the word of God that Paul, he learned the secret of being content through the highs and the lows, through the good times and through the bad. Jesus is the secret of being content. You know, we have a ministry here that's phenomenal. It's called, we call it our Young at Heart ministry. And we call it Young at Heart because it's some of our seasoned saints. Some of them have a little, you know, less hair. Some of them have a little more gray hair and they're walking around here. And some of them may need a little assistance, you know, as they're getting older. I'm just so glad that we have a church that has all ages. Because if we don't have a church that has these folks that have walked with Jesus for 20, 30, 40, 50, some of them even 70 years, I don't get the benefit of knowing how does, how do you keep going? Well, what challenges has the Holy Spirit brought you to that you've got the victory over, right? If I don't have that personal interaction and experience, we, we miss that, which leads us to our last one, and then we're done. You got to have a secret stash, man. 
I don't mean the bad stuff. I mean the good stuff. I got to have an arsenal. I got to have in my quiver, inside my, uh, I got to have ammunition. I got to have reinforcements even around me. I cannot walk with Jesus alone. It wasn't designed that way because God wants the very best. And he says, you got to do this in community. That's why I chose 12 men to follow me. And then Mary and Martha and all these other women that followed Jesus. It was community. They loved each other because they loved Jesus. And I got to remember that the arsenal, the secret stash, not only is the scripture and worship and praise, but people, it's people have been put in your life to help you to stay in your lane. Just to finish up, you know, it's, it's always exciting to see the Olympics. I love it. Every four years, man. And it's like our, our family... Um, we had some friends when they lived in California. Everyone's just moving out of California. When they lived here in California, they'd bring over like a huge, you know, dinner and they'd bring like snacks and just desserts and everything. And they just walked right through the door. They just, the door was open. They came in, they sat down and we watched for the next three or four hours all the Olympics. I tell you, I, I, why I love the Olympics, a couple of reasons. Because I just, I've always been pro-America. I love our country and I love fighting, you know, for, for freedom and for democracy. I, I, I just like that. And second is, I like good competition, dude. And I'll tell you the third, I like to win. I do. And, you know, I just like to win. And when I step on the tennis court, I want to win. Not at the expense of anyone else. I just like to win. Did you happen to see, and I'll just close with this, Sydney McLaughlin, on her 22nd birthday, she won her second gold medal. I think there's a, yeah, there's a picture of her right here. And she responded in her interview by thanking God, draped in an American flag. Here's what she said. Let me start off by saying this. I, I want to get this right because it's so good. Let me start off by saying this. What an honor it has been able to represent not only my country, but also the kingdom of God. McLaughlin wrote, what I have in Christ is far greater than what I have or don't have in life. I pray my journey may be a clear depiction of submission and obedience to God. And here's, here's how she finishes this. Just because I may not win every race. This is so good. This is for us today. Just because I may not win every race or receive every one of my heart's desires does not mean that God has failed. His will is perfect. And she noted this. And he has prepared me for a moment such as this. Here's, here's the good part. I've always tried to keep my eye on the race that he wants me to run. And that I may use the gifts he's given me to point the attention back to him. Isn't that good? We are learning at MVCC the secret of being content. Thank you so much for being with us. I just want to remind you that we have two services every Sunday, 9 and 11 a.m., both live and online. And we really look forward to seeing you again next week.